Today we are going to be closing out a message that I have really enjoyed. I've been hearing a lot of positive feedback. Y'all been enjoying this? Uh, You've been learning and growing, I hope. A crushing season is not necessarily an enjoyable season, but we can get fresh revelation of what God wants to do through that crushing season. Amen. And there's so much that the Lord has just been unpacking uh, in my life and in packing, uh, it sounds like through a lot of y'all's lives, I've been getting a lot of texts and messages and feedback. So it really blesses me that y'all are getting something from us, that God is making himself real in your life. Because that's what it's all about, right? We serve, we're real people serving a real God. Uh, and he loves us and he cares about us. And sometimes we have to go through tough things in life. And so I'm excited to close this out. Today we've been on this crushing, that's the title of the message, uh, for two weeks. And so this is our third, part three today. And so we're going to hit some recap. I just want to remind you as we're talking about the the crushing and how God starts something fresh and brand new through that crushing to start something over, that if God is crushing you right now in an area and a season of life, if he is crushing that thing, it's, it's because he wants to do a new thing. We've been talking about that, right? But also, here's the good news. If God is crushing you right now, it's because he's saying the time is right now. Come on, somebody, that's good news. He's saying the time for that thing that you've been praying about or even the time for that thing you don't know that you need God to do in your life just yet, he's saying the time is right now based upon the evidence of his crushing, killing that thing that doesn't need to be there and giving life to that new thing that he wants to sprout up in our lives. Amen? That's what he wants to do for you and for me and for us this morning. So let's look at that first scripture. It's a quick one. It comes out of Ecclesiastes, right? Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. And we just said that in, in the Bible and in God's word, he says, declares uh, through, through Solomon, King Solomon, the wisest man ever to live, right? That there is a time, a place, and a season for everything. Somebody say everything if you're paying attention. Everything uh, under the sun. And he goes on for the next, you know, rattles on for about the next eight verses. For time's sake, I left him out. He says there's a time for for everything, right? A time for peace, a time for uh, time for war, a, a time for sorrow, a time for joy, a time for pain, a time for healing, all these things. And so we said that just to say, to lay foundation that says, you know what, there's a time and place and a season for God to start something new in my life. The way he does those new things in my life is through the painful at times. Come on, somebody. Through the frustrating at times. Through the confusing at times, that thing that he calls the crushing. Where he says, this thing is done. I'm done with this, and I want to impart something better, something bigger. I want to impart this in your life, right? So look at that first recap point. We said that first week, right? We said, God says, there's a time, place, and season for everything. For all things, God has a reason, even for the toughest and most disappointing moments of our lives that do not go the way we planned. Anybody been alive for a while? (laughs) Some more than others. (laughs) Right? If you've been alive for any amount of time, whatever that is, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 50, 60, and on up, Life is unplanned. No matter how hard you try to plan, control, enact your will here in this place, God a lot of times uses crushing moments to what? To remind us that I'm not God. Sometimes we can get ahead of God 
And I think I got this all under control. I got this thing. I'm pursuing this, this, this thing, or I'm going in this direction. And God says, well, hold up. <laughs> Do you remember who your father is? And he doesn't mean that ugly. He doesn't mean that grouchy. He does that because he loves you and cares about you. And really, he wants to protect us from doing things, going places that we're not supposed to go. And so it's a reminder who's God and who's not. And when we are blindsided by the surprises of life, the surprises of, of, of discouragement, the surprises of broken dreams, failed Failed ideas, failed things that we try and they don't work out. God is in the midst of those places. You might be surprised, but God is not surprised. He has a plan for everything. So stop stressing yourself out and trust in the one. Because here's the good news. If God is crushing us and starting over, the good news is, I'm in his hands. There's no better place to be than in the hands of God. Are you in his hands this morning? If you are, there's hope. You can have peace in the midst of this season. Amen. Let's look at Jeremiah 18, 1 through 6. Our other foundational scripture that we use to really set this whole message up for us. And I, I love the book of Jeremiah. He's one of our major prophets. Right? And so this is really where the promise of the crushing season comes uh, into our lives for you and for me today. Verse 1, it says, The Lord gave another message to, to Jeremiah. He said, Go down to the potter's shop and I will speak to you there. So I did as he told me and found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he hoped. So he what? Crushed it. Y'all say that with me. He crushed it. He crushed it into a lump of clay again and just started over. How simple, how, how, how so ordinary, but how, how so awesome. He didn't stress out. He wouldn't get frustrated. It didn't turn out the way he wanted. He just crushed it and started over. And then this is what the Lord says, verse 5. Then the Lord gave me this message. Oh, Israel, I said you can go ahead and put your name in there. Oh, Ian, can I not do this? To you as the potter has done of this clay, as the clay is in the potter's hands, so you are in my hand. Is it vital that you're in the hands of God today? If you're in the hands of God today, he can do the same thing that that potter did, according to Jeremiah, to that clay. We can build things up in our life that God doesn't call us to build. We can actually build things for God, be in the will of God, doing what God has asked me, and I can still get blindsided by the enemy. I can still get blindsided by life. And he says, don't worry, don't stress. If you're in my hands, I can crush that thing right now, and I can start over. See, God can crush you even when you are in the will of God. Come on, somebody. You can be doing everything right. And God says, I got audible. I got an audible, right? You're stressing out. You, you got blindsided, but I have a plan. I can start over anytime I want, God says. No matter what, God can start over for us. Look at that next recap point. The last one for today, the last recap. It says, so sometimes we find ourselves at a spiritual crossroads where we must accept our mistakes, go back to start, and allow God to begin something totally new in our lives. 
we said we will be calling the spiritual intersection of life the crushing season. And that's exactly what it is. It's an intersection of I've been doing this, I've been going this way, and God says, I want to go this way. It's an intersection, it's a, it's a place, it's a, it's a season, it's a feeling of not understanding how it's all going to work out, but I have to still trust in God. God wants to renew your trust in him through crushing. You can either resist the crushing and make it worse, or you can go ahead and invite his presence and say, I trust you. See, because there's nothing apart from being a Christian or trusting in Jesus or living for Jesus where God is going to give you the answers to every single detail for that thing that you're praying fast and thinking about. It's always going to take faith. And it's on the potter's wheel in God's hands where my faith, it's an invitation really for my faith to go to the next level where I look at God and see him as my creator as he molds and fashions my life and strips away and begins to build me into his image and likeness and character and all these things that he wants to do in and through the crushing season, right? And so last week, we talked about, excuse me, uh, the crushing of Jesus and how powerful that is. Did you know Jesus was crushed? According to Isaiah, it said that he was crushed for our iniquities, our shortcomings, our sins, so that we could be made whole and healed. And we talked about how he prayed in the garden, actually at the Mount of Olives. We talked about how God transforms natural things through crushing. We talked about the grapes being crushed into, into wine. It, it gives it a whole new life. Or the olive being crushed into oil gives it all new life. And we said that when Jesus prayed in the garden at the Mount of Olives in the Garden of Gethsemane, which literally means in Greek, the oil press. Or he prayed drops of blood and he prayed God's will, not his own. He was spiritually being crushed so that you and I could experience real freedom. And we said that in the midst of our crushing season, to experience hope and joy, I'm going to have to pray God's will to get through. And that when I pray God's will to get through, he changes and enlarges my vision, my vision for my life. And I realize that there are people depending on my crushing season right now. When the enemy wants you to get, give up, when the enemy says it's too tough, it's too hard, God says, I need you to stay put because there are people, there are, there are blessings depending on your faithfulness right now in this crushing season. And we said that Jesus, talk about some weight on his shoulders, the salvation of the world was depending on his faithfulness to stay in God's hands. So that's what we said last week, stay in God's hands. And so today, to wrap this up, what I want to talk about is a couple other things that maybe you haven't thought about that the Lord has just been revealing, unpackaging so much to me that happen through the crushing season. Amen. So look at that first new point today. And so crushing is actually a method. Somebody say method. It's, it's a way, it's an avenue, it's a means for God to work, right? Crushing is a method that God uses to mold us into his image where he beckons us or invites us to take on his likeness. He wants his children to look like him. Come on, somebody. 
And so when he crushes us and starts over and begins to mold us and fashion us, we've been doing it our way or the world's way. And he says, you look nothing like me. I want to crush you so that you begin to look like me. You know, the biggest compliments I ever got in my entire life is when people say Xander looks like me. Any fathers in the house? Right? Or mothers, you can raise your hands too. When someone says that your child looks like you, what does that do to you? On the inside, it just gives you like a good godly pride, right? You walk taller, you're proud, and you're thankful. And I think God's the same way. He wants his children to look like him, to talk like him, to act like him, even to smell like him. Come on, somebody. <laughs> right? And so God's hope is that the world, I love this, would recognize his children by the way they reflect his character. By the way he, the, his children reflect his character. I think it was Gandhi. Y'all ever heard that, that quote from Gandhi? He said, I love your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. Because a lot of Christians look nothing like Christ, and that's our problem, right? We need a church on fire, a church that's built in, uh, on the word of God. And so through crushing, God molds us and reshapes us and forms us into his image by changing all sorts of things. On the inside of us, it has to start with our heart. It has to start with our thoughts. He really begins to give us new desires and, and his desires, right? And when that happens, I begin to reflect who he is in the world, in my family, in my ministry, at my workplace, all these things. God wants us to look, act, and even talk like him. He accomplishes this through the crushing season. And, and the most amazing thing is when God crushes us, and begins to start something new in our lives, if we're in the hands of God, just imagine it, you're on the, the eternal potter's wheel. God Almighty is working on your life, I hope and pray in Jesus' name. If you're not a born-again believer, it'll be a moment for you today, I promise, for you to accept Christ. Because why would you waste another day doing life your way? Amen. Trust Him this morning, okay? He wants to do a new thing, but just imagine you're in the potter's hands on the potter's wheel in the hands of God, his big, massive hands. I can't imagine how big they are. And he's saying, I love this about you. I put that in you. And he builds that up. And he says, you know what? This here is a character defect. These thoughts, these attitudes, this rebellion, this pride, this lust, the, the, the sexual immorality, this perversion, all these things I'm stripping away. And in that moment, you can resist the hands of God and put up a fight and hold on to those things that you secretly enjoy. Or you can submit to him. And the awesome thing is when you submit to him, you will be marked for life. You will reflect his character. You will reflect who he is because if you're in the hands of God, guess what? He's going to leave his fingerprints. <laughs> Come on, somebody. He is going to leave his fingerprints on your life. And there's no far, there's nowhere you can run or hide. There's no dark place you can hide because light extinguishes the darkness. And so I want to give you, a, it's a big chunk of scripture. It's Matthew 5, verses 3 through 10. Anybody know this familiar uh, passage of scripture? It's actually titled The Beatitudes. And so the Lord was just showing me that the Beatitudes line totally up with what we're talking about. As we're talking about how he molds us and shapes us into his likeness and his image and to the characteristics he wants to build up inside of us. And so this, this, this scripture is actually how he can identify who is following him, who is living for God, who is 
trusting God, right? What's that the verse, or verse 3 there? It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. In a roundabout way, what does that mean? Blessed are those who are feeling crushed. <laughs> if you're feeling crushed, God says you're blessed. For theirs is the what? Kingdom of heaven. He identifies those who are feeling crushed, those who are poor in spirit, as his children. He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. These are all characteristics. These are all attributes. These are all things that God has inside of him. Do you see that? All of these identifying characteristics are found in your father, I promise you. He's crushed in spirit because he sees people every day choosing sin over him, over a real loving God. He hungers and thirsts for righteousness, you better believe. What's another one? Those who, who, who are merciful, does our God merciful? Yes. All of these things are the things that God has inside of him that he wants to impart into us as he molds us, forms us, and fashions us, as he crushes us and starts over in our lives. Do you see that? These are the things that he wants to give us and mark us with. Amen. So look at that next point. So God's crushing is really an invitation for us to adorn or put on, literally clothe ourselves in righteousness, the attributes of God for us to observe what it really means, somebody say really means, to be a follower of Christ. It's challenging when we're reminded of the steep cost that it takes to live for God but God assures us and empowers us by turning our desires into his. Crushing is an invitation for us to look at our current predicament, tr test, trial, situation, season, this hard place that I find myself in with different perspective, with different eyes. And see that the characteristics God wants to give me are pure. But it's challenging when I see what God calls in me that he wants me to walk out and live, right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That is a, an amazing thing, but it can be a challenging thing if you're not living for Jesus, right? And so we, we see that, we read that, we think, can I walk these things out? And God says you can. He just wants to give you the same desires that are inside of him in your life so that you'll trust him. And you'll actually be able to walk these things out. Living for God costs everything. He wants everything for you to bring everything to the table. To not resist or hold back. As we talked about during worship, right? Making room for that new thing that God wants to do in our lives. Look at Matthew 16, 24. It says, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I said that God 
says he wants our desires to be transformed into his desires. Jesus says if we desire to follow him, then I must do what he did. (laughs) Come on, somebody, it's quiet in here. Jesus practiced what he preached, right? He went to the cross. He denied himself. He prayed God's wills over his will. And so Jesus said, if you want to be a follower of mine, if you want to to enter into the kingdom of heaven one day, then you are going to have to not love your life so much and love my life, the life that I freely gave for you to experience life more. And God wants to help us do that through crushing. It's how he changes our desires into his. He thinks about people all day long, hurting, broken people. And if we're being honest, we probably think about ourselves all day long. God says, I need you to stop thinking about yourself all the time. We get greedy, we get impatient, we get frustrated because we just have our eyes on ourselves all the time. God says, I want to change your desires for you to be people-minded and to be obedient to my spirit when I want to do something through you for somebody else, and you're so focused on you, you, you. And yes, I'm not trying to say none of us have problems. We all have problems, right? I need God to work in my life. I need him to answer prayers in my life. But it can't be that thing that I'm focused on all the time, right? You, you set yourself up as God. That's how you set yourself up as an idol when you live that way. And God wants to cut those dead, those dead areas out of our lives, right? Look at Psalms 37. Three through five. It says, trust the Lord and do what? Good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. You're taking notes. Write these three things down. Trust, delight, and commit your life onto the Lord and he'll make that thing real. He'll bring it to pass. He's not going to do it without those three things. You have to trust, you have to commit, and you have to delight yourself in Jesus, in the Father, in the Holy Spirit. And if you are doing that every single day, you're committing, you're trusting, you're delighting in the Lord, He is going to not just change your desires of your heart, but He's going to begin to bless you with all sorts of things. Bless you with all sorts of things. And He's going to bring it to pass. He's going to make that thing real. Look at that next point. One of the desires that God wants to share, excuse me, with us, that he wants us to share in together, is the elimination of things that are holding us back. We are holding on to things that are killing us. We are holding on to things and resisting God and with areas of our life. And, and he wants us to make room, Right? And it says, real freedom happens when we remove, somebody say remove, the things we have put in God's rightful place. We are holding on to things that are in a place of where God is supposed to be. God says in order for us to find true life, we must be willing to lose the life, habits, patterns, and even the sins, yes, even the sins that we have grown comfortable with. This is how God shakes us up. He says all these patterns, these, these, these 
things of life, these even sins that you secretly enjoy, you're going to have to remove those things. And through crushing, it's how he facilitates, the, expedites the process of removing those things, helping us try to identify through the Holy Spirit those things so that I can reflect his character, so that I can walk these things out. And it's the Holy Spirit that helps us identify those things, right? Look at Matthew 16, 25 through 27. Verse 25, it says, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. To live for Jesus, you have to lose all that you think, see, and know and trust in God's Son in order to find true life here in this place and to experience eternal life one day when he calls us home. Verse 26, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Do you notice how Jesus said, and then he will reward each of them according to his works, not according to their faith. <laughs> yes, you have to start with your faith. You have to believe in Jesus. But if you believe in Jesus, what are you doing with that belief? And so as God crushes us and he asks us to do things and to remove things and to let go of things, are you listening and are your, your behaviors being changed by the things that you say you believe in? Because Jesus says they'll reward each according to his works. If I really believe, my life has to look differently. Look at James 2.14. What did he say about works and faith? It says, for what does it profit, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? You have to believe, but you have to do something about it, right? And then James 2.26, it says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. If I just believe and I don't act, I'm dead. According to James, if I just believe and I don't do anything about what I say I believe in, I'm dead. I'm dry. I'm thirsty. And not only do I, do I suffer here in the, in the now, but my eternal, uh, my, my eternal life is not promised. Because living for Jesus is a daily thing. If I did everything for Jesus yesterday, but today I live totally in sin, am I going to go to heaven? No. I have to choose Jesus by faith every single day. I don't believe salvation is forever. You have to, let me say it like this, salvation is forever, but it, not once saved, always saved is what I'm trying to say. If you got saved 20 years ago, and you've been living, looking nothing like Jesus for 20 years, I don't believe you're going to get into heaven. God's going to ask you before you enter in, what did you do with what you say you believed in? There has to be works. There has to be some proof in the pudding, so to speak, right? And so I have to 
do something about the things that I believe. If not, I'm dead. Crushing, it brings an intimacy with God. When I'm in the hands of God and I'm on the potter's wheel and I I see him as my creator, in these moments, he shows me my part that I have to play to my freedom. God can only do the God thing. I have to do the clay thing. But as I'm intimate with God through prayer and through fasting and reading of his word, he begins to show me there are things that I can do to walk out my freedom. And maybe I don't need to be in a relationship with Billy Bob or Linda Lou. Maybe I need to quit watching these types of things on Netflix. Maybe I need to quit listening to these types of things in my car. Right? Maybe I need to make some room for some God time in my life before I go to work. All of these things. He begins to show us, and it's in those moments I can either say, okay, God, I got this. I trust you. I'll do that for you. Or I can continue to resist him, right? So look at that next point. What he really wants us to do is he wants us to choose faith. He wants us to say yes. He wants you to say yes today. When we choose faith and allow God to cut away the dead things that don't belong, we come back to life. The things that you are holding on to that are killing you, if you could just get rid of them, if you could remove them, you'd come back to life. You'd have joy. You'd have peace. You'd be happy. You'd be better to be around. People would enjoy being around you more. But you're holding on to these things that are killing you, right? In order for God to transform us into something new, something old has to die. Somebody say die. And Just as light and darkness can never mix. Can you mix light and darkness together? They are the complete opposites, right? Neither can life or death coexist together. You can either be alive in Christ or you can be dead to sin. That's it. Are you alive in Christ or are you dead to sin? Are you a, a masterpiece in the making by your trust and faith in God and his son? Right? Dead things attached to us will kill us. Unfruitful things in your life attached to you will kill you. Physically, spiritually, and then they kill and they touch they kill everything else that they touch through you. Your family and your kids and all of those things, dead things. And so through crushing, God wants to cut away those things, those dead things that aren't bearing fruit, right? God knows this, and that's why he wants to crush us, and he purifies us through this. Look at John, uh, John 15, 2. This is Jesus, right, talking about his father. He says, he, speaking of God, cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. So they will produce even more. So God wants to cultivate the good things that he's placed inside of you so that more can continue to grow. More good things can continue to bless other people, more people. And if it's something dead, God says, this can't stay. This has to go because a dead thing attached to a live thing sucks the life out of the fruitful thing. Do you see that? So look at John 15, a few more verses down, chapter, or verse 5 through 8. Jesus said, y'all know it, right? I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. If you abide in Christ, you will naturally bear fruit of his goodness. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. 
Dead things are gathered and then they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified so that you will bear much fruit so that you will be my disciples. If you continue to resist God and hold on to these dead things, there's a high possibility you might be cast away and burned. That's some real preaching. Because if you love a sin, some of us are, are making more room for our sin than we are for our soul. You have placed a higher value on that thing that is killing you than you have for your soul. Stop feeding the things that are killing you and start feeding your soul with his truth and peace and righteousness and life. And so many people on that day of judgment are going to say, I was holding on to that. And they're going to be eternally ever separated from God. God doesn't send anybody to hell, right? We send ourselves through our stubbornness, through our pride, through our resisting of change and new things that God wants to do. We are either alive in Christ or we are dead to sins. Life and death cannot coexist together. So you're either alive going to heaven or you are dead going to hell. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 through 6. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are a children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong in the night nor in the darkness. So then let us be not like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. God calls Liberty Church into the light. Today you can choose light. I can't live in light and darkness at the same time. You have to be in the light. And the thing about the light is it exposes and expels the darkness. If you're trusting God, you can't be, you can't be looking at pornography and have peace because his light is dispelling the perversion and the darkness. You can't be uh, living for God and doing drugs, getting high uh, in your car or doing whatever you're doing, wherever you're doing it, and experience peace if you know the truth. Come on, somebody. Because all things that are in the darkness will be brought into the light. And God wants you to trust him, right? If I'm living in the light, it means he's still working on me. Never perfect, serving a perfect God. Trusting and hoping that I look better today than I did yesterday. And hoping and trusting that I'll look more like Jesus tomorrow than I do today. Residing in the darkness means I'm trying to fix myself. If, and I, I said residing in the darkness because you can't live in the darkness. If you're in the darkness, there's, there's, there's no joy. There's no happiness. You're depressed. You're discouraged. You're just literally residing in a dark place that is killing you. And, and if you feel that way, it's probably because you're trying to do it yourself. You're trying to break barriers yourself that you can't do in your own strength. You're trying to attain things that you can't do outside of the will of God. And so choose the light or choose the darkness. You can't have both at the same time. Look at Matthew 5, 29 through 30. Now this is a challenging scripture. This is Jesus. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin... 
pluck it out. If your right eye is causing you to sin, cut it out. Why? Because it's a dead thing. Life and death cannot mix. Jesus knew this. He says, it's causing you to sin. It's causing death. It's causing darkness. Pluck it out. Cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that you're one of your members perish, that the rest of your body may be cast into hell, and that your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than one of your whole body be cast into hell. It's better that you lose your hand to death so that your whole body can experience eternal life one day. I said some of us have placed a higher value on our sins than we have on our soul. And the enemy has deceived a lot of us. The thing that I'm focused on isn't even important. And it's going to kill me. And it's robbing and stealing from me right now. And it's going to kill me eternally one day if I don't remove it from my life allow God to crush it and to form and fashion a new thing. Look at that last point. So it's this simple. God says choose life or choose hell. Choose life or choose hell. Crushing at times may feel like hell, but it's what brings heaven to earth. Come on, somebody. The tests and trials of my life, they may feel like hell. Crushing hurts. It's painful. I have to start over. I shared that I'm going through all this at my workplace right now. And at, at times it feels like hell, but it's how God brings heaven to earth. And it's how God is going to help form and fashion me for me to step into heaven one day. His crushing is what's going to help get me into heaven one day. Being crushed is evidence I'm a masterpiece in the making, and it declares God is still working on me. It means I'm God's very own possession. And when I'm crushed, it proves that I am a child of God. It's just evidence that I'm a child of God. Tell your neighbor, say, hey, it's just evidence. Tell your other neighbor, say, hey, it's just evidence. It's just evidence that I am a, a proven child of God because he loves me. He's still working on me. If I haven't cast into the fire, that means I still have a shot. That means I still have a chance. It means God is still trying to love me right where I am, to get me to a, a place even farther and better in my life. He calls you chosen today. Look at Matthew 5.3. We've already read it, right? Blessed are the crushed in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The tough things that you go through in life, if you trust, commit, and delight in the Lord, is evidence that you are child of the most high. Look at James 1, 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. Somebody say great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Crushing is testing. It's purification. It's, it's, it's so God can perfect us and make us complete, lacking nothing. God uses crushing to perfect us and to complete us. And look at 1 Peter 2.9. For you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. Underline that. Highlight that in your Bible. You are royal priests, the holy nations. God's what? Very own possession. He calls you his 
as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. If God is still working on you, let him continue to work on you. And remember that when God is crushing you, your crushing is for other people around you. God wants to mark you and leave his fingerprints on you so that others around you can see your faith. So that others around you will say, man, he or she is different. Man, he or she has been through some tough things and they are still blessed. They still have joy and peace. And you know what? I might want to go talk to them because there's something different about them. And before you know it, based your faith, based on your works, beckons a non-believer to come and talk to you and ask you about your faith. And before you know it, because of your crushing, now somebody's getting born again. Somebody's getting saved. Somebody's asking the eternal question, where will I go when I die one day? Because that's the only thing that really matters is, where are you going to spend your eternity? That day you stand before God. Your life and your works and your thoughts, the things you've done, the things you didn't do, all wrapped in together in one eternal moment. And if you got the blood of Christ on your life and you have proof through your works of your life, God's going to say, enter in. My good and faithful servants and say, you know, there's going to be so many people saying, Woo, that crushing was worth it in Jesus' name. Woo, that crushing ain't got nothing on me, devil. Woo, there's life and light and hope in the crushing. Come on, somebody. It's going to be worth it. Stay in his hands. Stay on the potter's wheel. Amen. There are others, freedom depending on it. Your family's freedom depending on it. Amen. Y'all join me in prayer this morning. However you like to do that. If you want to bow your heads or close your eyes. If you're watching online, I want you to join us in prayer too. And I want you just to ask that simple question right now. Before God Almighty. God, do I trust you? Would anybody at work or anybody out in the world, by looking at me, would they know that I'm a believer? If I was to die today, would you say, enter in to me? Or would you say, depart from me? I don't know you. Your heart is far from me. Your thoughts are far from me. There is sin and wickedness and perversion in your life and in your heart. Depart from me. I don't know you. I know you because I made you and formed you in your mother's womb, but spiritually, I don't know you. You must be born again, Jesus told Nicodemus. You must be born again. So if you're here today and you want to accept Christ and be born again today, and you want to experience joy and hope and salvation, that says, you know what, I'm not perfect but my God is, and he still invites me and says, I want you to be part of my forever family. If you are born again, I want you to pray for the lost right now. You already know the Lord. And so I promised you in the middle of this message, if you haven't made that decision for God to be your Lord and Savior, there'll be a moment. That moment's come, and it's right now. And I want to ask you to do something. I said, faith without works is dead. So you can't just sit there and say, I believe. I want you to do something about it. 
If you want to accept Christ, right now I want you to stand up. Just stand up in this place. No one's looking at you. No one's thinking about you. This is your moment and your moment with God. If God's speaking with you and dealing with your heart, he wants you to know, he wants to see you stand up so he knows that you've received that message from him today that says, I hear you, God. I hear you speaking to me. I see my life's not right. I want to make it right right now by standing up as a significance that I'm, I'm believing and trusting in you. Give you a few more seconds if you want to do that. If you're watching online, put it in the chat. Say, I'm standing up. Let us know. One of our online facilitators are there to help you. Amen. Amen. Well, no one is standing physically in our location, but there could be somebody standing online. So I want to lead us in a prayer. I want you all to repeat after me, okay? Loud and proud. It's going to go like this. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We trust you. We want you to be in our lives. We accept your son, Jesus. We believe your son was perfect and without sin and rose again on the third day. And right now I confess that he is Lord over my life. Holy Spirit, help me. Lead me and guide me the rest of the days of my life until you call me home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Give God a big hand this morning. God is good. He is, he is large and he is in charge. Amen. Anybody glad you came to church today? A couple of you. We're glad you came too. Y'all come back and see us next week. If you prayed that prayer for the first time online today, let somebody know. We rejoice with you. We celebrate with you. Amen. We love you. Y'all are dismissed. Hope to see you next week.